Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're studying here a young church with some serious problems. A young church with some serious problems, yet a young church with sincere spiritual desires. And I believe that most of you who are coming here have a sincere spiritual desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's why we stay focused on the word. So we can identify with this church in some regards. The church at Corinth was well on its way to becoming a church that would impact its society. And instead of us getting infected by the culture, we should be impacting our culture. But there are various issues that need to be addressed in order to make that impact effective. I believe that the church today finds itself in a very similar situation, serious problems that need to be addressed. Not so much in this church, but in, when you hear the word church today anyways, it's basically the big C. There is only one Christian church. Now we have various denominations, but we're speaking of one Christian church. But due to the lack of teaching the whole word of God and encouraging believers to implement that word, we see tremendous ineffectiveness within our society by the church as a whole. You see, this letter to the church at Corinth gives us some some of those answers and will solidify any church, any Christian church, when studied, learned, and implemented. Implemented is the key word there. I believe that this church has implemented these truths into our lives and that we will continue to do so through the continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. That is key, the continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, We won't read over the verses. We'll just get into our text this morning. We'll start at verse 10. Verse 10, we're going to cover 10, 11, and 12. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Peter, Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Father, we thank you for the morning. And we just continue in our worship of you. Worship in song. uh, Our worship of you and a testimony that you are still saving lives, spiritually as well as physically. Father, we thank you that when we submit, when we surrender, you will always do your part. You are always there. You are always ready to give us more of the Holy Spirit, whether we're single, married, young, old, it doesn't matter. As believers, when we surrender, when we finally give in to you and say your will be done, you're there to fill us with your Holy Spirit 
and to give us strength to endure and to press through. So Father, if there's anyone in our midst this morning that finds themselves in that place, right now they're just really in despair. They might be battling depression this very moment. They may be struggling just to be able to sit here and to sit through a service. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them right now, that you would strengthen them, that you would send your Holy Spirit to touch them right now, to remind them that they're in a good place. Not Calvary, but spiritually, they're in a good place. They're willing to hear the word of God. So comfort them and strengthen them, Lord. And for those of us who are strong, Lord, just continue strengthen us. It's not because of us. It's because of your Holy Spirit that we find ourselves strong. We don't want to take any credit. So, Lord, just continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit that we'll remain strong, we'll remain steadfast, we'll remain focused. I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I get into this study, I really need to make something clear. We are addressing Bible-believing Christians this morning. Very, very important. Paul is writing to Bible-believing Christians. He's not writing to religious people. He is writing to Bible-believing Christians. Those who believe that Jesus is the only Son of God, that he was fully human yet fully divine, that he fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah. This is what a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, believes. That he died as a sinful sacrifice. That he was buried and rose again on the third day. That his blood sacrifice on the cross is the only reason why we have access to heaven. Titus says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. So religiously you cannot work your way to heaven. You can only receive the free gift of salvation. These are just a few of the doctrinal beliefs of a Bible believing Christian which is being addressed here this morning. So this study has nothing to do with becoming ecumenical. So don't take it out of context and don't read into what I'm sharing. This has nothing to do with being ecumenical or accepting doctrines of other faiths. It's not that at all. Like us, Paul is addressing Bible-believing Christians. So the first area of sin that Paul is going to deal with is causing division by following after a man and not the creator of man. This is the first area of sin, and that we have to be careful with as well. To this day, believers have the same tendency to do this. Here we see that the Corinthians had divided themselves over four distinct people. Just a little information. You can do your own study for extra. Some followed after the teachings of Paul, that spunky little guy who actually started the church. There were others who followed after Apollos. He was an orator, one who could speak about the word of God with eloquence, with eloquence. He came to Corinth between Paul's second and third missionary journeys. Some followed after Peter, Cephas, one of the founding fathers of the Christian church. I mean, surely he would know what he was talking about. And then there were those who thought they were most spiritual ones of them all. And they followed strictly after the teachings of Jesus. They didn't need to look to a man for any type of teaching. 
Unfortunately, that is why we have so many different religions and even multiple variations of a religion within their denominations. I, I have a close friend with a Baptist pastor, and we went out to lunch many, many years ago and when I was first meeting him. And I, I said, well, how many affiliations of Baptists are there? How many different churches, you know, how, how does that work within your, within your denomination? I know, is there like 10 or 20? How does that work? He just laughed. He said, there's hundreds of Baptist affiliations. I go, come on. He goes, no, there's literally hundreds of Baptist affiliations. You see, people end up following after man's theories instead of sticking with what the Bible clearly says. It's kind of like science and following after a man's theory instead of really doing your homework and seeing the science behind this virus. In Arizona, over the last uh, 14 months or however long it's been, I guess it's coming up on a year now, keep them keeping the stats, 24 people under the age of 20 have died of the virus over the last year in Arizona. 90% of all those who have died of the virus are 55 plus, are 55 plus. The CDC came out and they got bashed for saying it because people said, oh, they're going to take that out of context. Don't ever put that in print again. That's 6% of all the deaths are true COVID deaths. All the other deaths have an underlying ailment, heart disease, cancer, whatever it might be. This is science, which this administration is supposedly following after, right? So we need to take them to task. Because in watching uh, our president's address the other night, maybe, maybe by July 4th, you can have a few people over to have a small, quiet barbecue at your house. Maybe, if you're all good little boys and girls, and keep your distance, and wash your hands, and wear your mask, and get the vaccine. How many people have died of the vaccine? Does anybody know? Google it. You know how many people have died of the vaccine? Feel free to take your fingers. That's how many people have died of the vaccine, according to the Google. Now, is that true? No. No. I have a very close friend in Iowa who's a pastor. Uh, These last two weeks, he's performed two memorials on two healthy people. One was a 68-year-old gal. She got the shot. She didn't wake up the next morning. She was healthy. The next one, in his church, in his fellowship, 72-year-old healthy man who went and got the shot because his family pressured him into getting it, died two hours later. But they both died of brain aneurysms. They didn't die of the virus shot. So you have to do your homework. You have to. Because most of this is a lie from the pit of hell. To separate us, to control us, to condition us, to not talk to each other, to separate. To don't listen to anybody but us because we are guided by science. And we believe that we know the truth. I think you're all bright enough to read and determine for yourself. Now we want to wash our hands. And we don't make light of those who have died. Please, if you've lost someone, I'm not making light of that. It's very serious. The virus is real. I understand that. But please keep it in context as well. Fear does us no good. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. And that's why you're here, because you're not living in fear. But there are many, many Christians that are living in fear. And so you have to be mature enough to go to them and say, stop. 
Stop, you don't need to do this. We need you at the church. We need you. Now Biden's going to go on a bus tour. They've got to get him out of the White House so that Pelosi and Harris can get things done. So go on a bus tour for a while, Joe. We'll see you in a few months. <laughs> Encourage people over the $1.9 trillion bill that we'll now be paying for and our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren if the Lord tarries and probably our great-great-grandchildren to drive our country into the ground economically. That's the goal. Revelation 13, one world economy, one world religion, one world government. We have to come down as America. We have to. I know nobody wants to hear that. Sorry. But that's reality. So what are we going to do about it? Pray, keep our heads in the Bible, and witness to people that are going to hell, including politicians, and pray for them on a regular basis. They need Jesus. Their power is shortly over. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We have to make sure that we keep looking to the word of God. I'm so thankful for science. I'm so thankful for all the advances. I'm not mocking. I'm not ridiculing. My mom was a nurse in World War II. Um, It's fantastic. But I'm going to keep putting my trust in Jesus. He's got the ultimate authority. And nobody's getting out of here alive, in case you're wondering. 8,500 people are going to die today in America, statistically speaking. 8,500. If you're one of them, we want to celebrate, not mourn. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Take a moment and look around you. I know this is awkward because you're going to go, I don't want to do that. I might get eye contact somebody. <laughs> look, seriously, look, take your head. Let your neck bend your head. Look around. Don't be afraid. Nobody's going to bite you. Nobody's going to slap you for looking at them. They shouldn't anyways. See, the enemy wants to separate us. He wants to make us feel like you're the only one that is grieving right now over America. You're the only one that is grieving over divorce. You're the only one in your family. You know what? You're a homophobiac. You're a racist. You're a white supremacist. You hate people. The enemy wants to isolate you so that he can press those feelings upon you. And you need to realize, no, 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 no. Get behind me, Satan. No, 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 no. I love people. I love the transgender. I love the homosexual. I love the adulterer. I love the drug addict. I love the fornicator. We have to be that vessel that says, no, we love you. But just like I don't accept sin in my life, I can't accept your sin. We need to be humble enough to say, yeah, I can't accept sin in my own life. I needed a savior. You need a savior. This is not about parties This is not about science. This is about reality. God created genetic male, genetic female. That's it. But the powers to be are trying to confuse who? Who do they want to confuse? Who do they want to confuse to change a culture? You old folks? Kindergartners. Sex education in kindergarten. Who needs sex education in kindergarten? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. This is the exhortation for you and me as believers. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, guys, there's a race. You're in a race. I'm in a race. But unfortunately, we try to compete against each other sometimes. And that's not what is being said here. 
Your race is different than my race. Now, it's Christianity and heaven's the goal, but I'm not going to come to your workplace. I'm not going to get into your neighborhood per se. There's gated communities. I just can't walk in. I'm probably not going to know your friends, your family members. I may never, ever meet them. But that's a part of your race. Don't put it on me to run your race. And don't put, I won't put me on you. Don't put it on anybody, but realize that you have a race to run. And what is God calling you to do as part of that race? Because it says here, what? Run with endurance. Do you know how many churches closed statistically? How many churches closed last year? Not just because of the virus, but statistically closed last year. 3,000 churches closed last year in America. 3,000 churches. 1,000 started, 3,000 closed. Europe 150 years ago. The cathedrals were packed. No electricity. No microphones. Thousands of people were coming to these cathedrals to see and to receive Jesus as their Savior, to hear the Word of God. There was hope in the Bible. You go today, those same cathedrals are mosques, coffee shops, libraries, or closed down. Well, that never happened in America. Wake up. It's happening in America. Churches are embracing certain lifestyles that are directly against the word of God. It's happening, and that's why they're closing. God is removing the lampstand. And it's going to continue to happen until the church repents. So we need to run this this race. We need to run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking unto the pastor, the author and finisher of our faith. Is that what your Bible says? Looking unto the president. I've got a check coming in the mail. It was supposed to be 2000 but I'll take the 1400 It's my tax money. Why not? I'll take it. Hey, praise God. I'm building an outhouse with it. Why not? Why not? Seriously, it's, it's awesome. It's going to be great. We have a lot of parties. We need it. The author and finisher of our faith. The author and finisher of our faith. I didn't start your faith. I'm not going to finish it. I got a hard enough time with mine. Run your own race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. How about Colossians chapter 3? If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Guys, what? I'm just bewildered by young people. I know I said this last May, and I'm going to say it again. My dad was, well, it's 100 years old when he passed. He served in World War II. There were teenagers that were lying about their age. They were 16 or 17. They were lying that they were 18 years old so they could go into the military and fight a real enemy. It was a real enemy that was threatening the whole world. They willingly went now we got 20 and 30-year-olds that are hunkering down in their apartments or their houses, afraid, won't let their parents come over or their grandparents, won't let their kids go to school. Do you hear what I said? 24 people under 20 last year died of COVID. 
if they really died of COVID. 24 in the whole state for the whole year. And we're shutting down the whole educational system. 90%, 55 plus. Hey, teachers 55, stay home. The rest of you teachers, get in there and fight the battle. These kids need the word of God. They need education. They need to know the truth. But they're not seeing it. And what is this saying to our, to our next generation? When the next thing comes along, hunker down. The government will send you a check. They know what's best. Really? I think the 10 worst words you could ever hear is when you knock on that door and you answer the door, I'm with the government. I think this is 10. I'm with the government and I'm here to help. 10 worst words you would... Is that 10, Elliot? Nine? Nine. Nine. So the nine worst words you could ever hear. I'm with the government and I'm here to help. (laughs) Close the door. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you're new or visiting, we put slides up because we want you to get used to your Bible. Please get a paper Bible. Don't wait till you turn your phone off to buy a paper Bible. Buy one before. If you use your device, I get it, I understand font and all that good stuff, but I really encourage you to have a paper Bible. 2 Corinthians 4, therefore we do not lose heart. Now in context, this is talking about the physical body, in context. But we do see a spiritual principle here that's flowing with what what we've already shared. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. If you're less than 25 years old, scientifically speaking, you're, you're still heading up. Your body's still heading up. You're still, yeah, you're doing great. If you're over 25, kiss it goodbye. It's starting to fall apart. Just reality. It's just reality. Look in the mirror. Your outward man, it's perishing. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The more pain you have, the more you look towards heaven. Man, I cannot wait to get to heaven. Man, that new body is going to be awesome. Not that you're thinking suicidal thoughts, none of that nonsense. But you're just going, God, thank you that I'm closer to heaven now than I was when I was 20. I love being 60. I'm like, man, I'm so close. I'm getting so close. My race is almost over. Praise God. Could be today. Have a celebration. Verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but what do we look at? The government, the pastor, the elders, the worship team, the Sunday school, the this, the that. We look at everybody else. What are they doing for me? What can I get out of this life? But at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. Peter says it's all going to burn. The book of Revelation, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So everything that we're investing in, invest. Be responsible. I'm not neglecting that. We're investing. Great. Just don't put your trust in it because it's all going to burn. It's all going to vanish one day. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So who should we be looking to? I've already given you the answer. Jesus, right? We should be looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. You see, if we are truly seeking after the ways of Jesus, then there will be very little division within the body of Christ. And I just want to commend you all here this morning, as I did the first service, in our 17 plus years of being here at this fellowship, there has been very, very little division. Matter of fact, I would say there's been no division. There's been a little drama, not even a lot of drama. Why? Because we're humble enough to say it's about Jesus. We have no sacred cows around here. 
None whatsoever. It's about Jesus. And if somebody has an idea, we pray about it, and we go, hey, do you want to do that? That was a great idea. I think some people are afraid to come and ask me because they know that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> but if God inspires you to do something, why should you put it on me? Pray about it. And, then God, and we go, yes, let's do it. And so many ministries in this church over the last 1,700, 1,700, 17 years have been because of people like you listening to the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, through your prayer time, coming to the elders, coming to the pastorate, saying, hey, I think we should do this. We pray about it. We go, that's, that's a great idea. Would you like to do it? Not really. Okay, all right, well, we'll put it out to the flock. And sure enough, people step up and go, you know what? I've been praying about that. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Uh, the food pantry. That wasn't my thought. Somebody came to me and said, hey, we'd like to do a food pantry. We, as in we, because I don't want to do it. No, yeah, we'd like, I have other people that would like to do it. Great, I'll support it. Praise God, I got enough on my plate. And we did it for 10 years. They did it for 10 years. They did a phenomenal job. They did it all by themselves. I don't micromanage. Sunday school, I don't micromanage. God's called you, go do it. I'll be here to support you. And if I can give any input, I'll do it. But then there came a time where through the church growth, we needed to pull the plug on it. We had to say, you know what? We got to end the food pantry. And by this time, other food pantries had opened up. So people were getting plenty of food. So we pulled the plug. Pastor Chuck used to teach us, if the ministry is on life support, pull the plug. It's that simple. God is going to give you something else to do, and he always has, and he always will. So Ephesians chapter 4, and he, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Notice what's taking place here as we're thinking of division. How does division take place? Division takes place when we misread the scriptures, when we take the scriptures out of context, when we make the scriptures say something that the scriptures do not say. Here the scriptures clearly teach that there should be a church. In the last 20 years, there's been a big drive to have home churches. It's not in the scriptures. I mean, it was in the scriptures in the very beginning because they didn't have buildings. They didn't have pastors. This, Paul's writing this now in Ephesians. And he's saying, hey, the church should have these people overseeing them. So if you can fulfill all these things at your home church, then God bless you. I don't think you can. That's why we need one another. And that's why so many churches are closing because people are pulling away saying, I can do it better than you. I don't need, well, there's a virus, I'm going to stay home. I don't want to come around you and get infected. Guys, in May, we're going to be doing one year of super spreaders. And as far as I know, there's been no outbreak in this church. Get your head in reality, not in a bus to tour a country to talk about how we're putting you in debt for $1.9 trillion so that Nancy can build a bridge in San Francisco. 9% of that bill went for COVID relief. This is not politics. This is reality. 9% of $1.9 trillion went for COVID relief. The rest is for bridges and streets and this and that. Abortions, gender counseling, and all kinds of nonsense. For the equipping. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So working in the church body, as well as the ministry you go out into during the week that I will not be a part of. That's your ministry. 
Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. So who do we come? Who's the focal point? Feel free to say it. Who's the focal point? Jesus. God, Jesus. Okay? The triunity of the Godhead. That we should, all no, long, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men with cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. And after the first service, uh, someone came up to me and shared with me, and this is what happened to them. That's why we go from Genesis to Revelation. And that's why I even told her, and I'll say it to you, because I do say this every so often, if I'm, not, if I'm teaching something wrong, please humbly come to me. I will humbly receive it. Show me in the scriptures where I'm wrong with other scriptures, not just with your feelings, but with other scriptures. I don't have this all figured out. I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus. Feel free to come, but come with love, grace, and mercy. I've had people come up and say something, and they turn and they run out the door. I'm like, I just, I'm just standing there going, uh, okay, later. <laughs> you know, what, what, am I, what else am I supposed to do? In cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him, again, not the pastor, into Jesus, who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every... Notice this. Please notice this. By what every part does its share. What are you doing? Literally, what are you doing in the body of Christ? Read your Bible. This isn't me harping for volunteers. This is just teaching the Bible. And what does the Bible say? that you have a gift and you should be using it. If you're not, you got a problem with the Bible, not me. Don't blame me for bad preaching. Take responsibility. What are you doing? Now, if you're taking a rest, take a rest. By all means, there's nothing wrong with I'm having a hot flash. If you're new or visiting, I have hot flashes every now and then, so I just got to turn the air down. I'm going through menopause. <laughs> so if you're taking a rest, take a rest. But please don't retire. Don't retire. Take a rest. Sometimes we need the rest just to defog our brain because of things that have happened to us. Nothing wrong with that at all. Do it. Just don't retire. According to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in pride. Is that what your Bible says? I've got all the gift and boy, I just blessed you, didn't I? Love, love. And I think that's why we have very little drama around here because we really love each other and we're humble enough to work with each other and nobody's got all the answers but we work together to serve the Lord. So we, first, we see that the first issue that Paul's addressing in this letter is the issue of division with the body. Picking and choosing different elders or overseers to follow after and then actually dividing the church over them. Paul has mentioned Jesus by name or in personal pronoun form 10 times before the study this morning. So in the previous nine verses, He's mentioned Jesus, either his name or by personal pronoun, 10 times. He is obviously stressing the unity that we all have in Jesus being the Christ, and we would do well to remember that simple fact. 
You see, Jesus can bring unity through the Spirit, while people can bring division through the flesh. It is really that simple. But before we leave this idea of division, I'd like to address the area of separation, which is totally different. Here at Calvary, we believe that when a person makes a genuine heart commitment, okay, a genuine heart commitment to God and receives Jesus as their Savior, not a head commitment, but a genuine heart commitment, they are eternally secure until they die, being sealed by the Holy Spirit, and will not lose their salvation. That's what we believe. If you've read our doctrinal statement, you would know that, but maybe you haven't. But that's what we believe, and we can back it up scripturally. Now, there are other churches that believe differently and can back up their positions with the scriptures. Let's take a Calvinist, for example, as I was the best man at my Calvinist friend's wedding, Dave and Sue. We're still friends to this day. If you've done any research about Calvinism, Calvary is diametrically opposed to some of their teachings. But the question is, are they saved? Are they a part of the big C, the one church? Yes, some are. Wait a minute, pastor, you just said some. I don't believe for a moment that everyone who attends Calvary Chapel or any other Bible-believing church for that matter are all saved. So is it okay to have a different opinion on the scriptures and still be a part of the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's my brother in Christ. And when he first left and got involved with that, he would come around and we would spend hours arguing over the scriptures. And we finally had to say, you know what? This is getting us nowhere. We love each other. You go minister to the fold and with the flock where they're eating and I'm gonna go minister over here and we can love each other at a distance and we're part of the church. We're part of the body of Christ. Let's not cause division. We just need to separate. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually healthy. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Remember that we're addressing Bible-believing Christians here. So I say yes, and that's why sometimes we need to separate from a church and find that church that we agree with scripturally. I don't see any division in that, but rather wisdom. Again, find a pasture and eat with the sheep that are like-minded with you. But unfortunately, when believers don't agree, we find ourselves attacking fellow believers instead of leaving them alone and praying for them. You see, if they're wrong, who are they going to ultimately answer to? God. And God knows best. God knows how to take care of his kids. If he's truly one of his kids, God will take care of them. Well, a question might come into your mind, but what if I don't agree with Calvary's stance on salvation or some other aspect of the faith? Do I have to stop attending? You're free to fellowship with us. Just don't try to convince others that the leadership is wrong with the scriptures. And I'm not talking about sinful issues, by the way. Sin needs to be addressed, whether it's in leadership or otherwise, and we do do church discipline. We totally believe in that. 
But if we go against the leadership of a church about non-sinful issues, I believe that that would be causing division, which the Lord hates. It's one of the sins that God hates. I already gave you an example about eternal security or once saved, always saved. But how about another real-life example? This happened to us several times as I was assistant pastor at our previous church. A believer comes into a church and they are convinced that you should only be teaching out of the King James Version of the Bible. It's the authorized version and there's no other version. Now they're entitled to their opinion and if that's what they like to read out of, fine, enjoy that version. But when they make that version the only version, now they start to cause division within the church or the body of Christ. There's a difference between division and separation. Division is unhealthy. Separation is healthy and is normal. We have to be very, very careful. Find a church that believes that and enjoy fellowshipping with them if that is you. Now, when we first started the church, I taught out of the King James Version of the Bible. I, I enjoyed the, first, the King James Version of the Bible. But as I was going along, I found myself saying instead of thou and thee, and I started replacing them with you and me. And people would come up after a service. And they'd go, what are you teaching out of? It's not King James. It's not New King James. Uh, what is it? So I finally said, okay, I got to be done with King James because I wanted to go New King James. So I went to New King James. That's all there is to it. There's no big, that's all there is to it. But what I would encourage you to do is make sure that you're reading a Bible. And this is why I think it's important to get off the phone phone is, it has so many other distractions on the phone. When you have your best friend with you and it's on your lap, there's very few distractions. You're not going to get a bing, a page just dinged. I've got a dinging page in here. It's not going to happen unless you stuck your phone in there. That's that quiet time that you need that I need, totally undistracted. We're watching the grandkids this weekend. I told Claudia, they were up at 6 a.m. I'm like, no. Claudia's like, no. <laughs> They're one and two. It's like, no. Nah. She's going crazy. She got here for the first service amazingly. But anyways, I said, I got to go into another room. Have fun. She likes taking care of them. I don't. So she took care of them. Praise God. <laughs> I don't. I mean... When they're around three, four, five, six, yeah, let's wrestle. Right now they're like, ah, okay. What do you want? Yeah, go talk to grandma. I don't know what you want. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Like, grandma understands that language. I don't. So anyway. <clears throat> so we shouldn't try to divide the church. You know, you can't lose your salvation versus, no, you can lose, forfeit, even walk away from your salvation or we can learn from various translations of the Bible verses. It is only acceptable to teach out of the King James Version only. See, what's the problem? What's, what's the bottom line about this whole situation? I believe this is it right here. If I'm not becoming more like Jesus, more loving, compassionate, understanding, caring, gracious, faithful, righteous, then it really doesn't matter where I attend or what version of the Bible I'm reading from. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 3. Go home and read it. You're just a noisy gong. It's not agape love. You're dividing the body of Christ. I'll be dividing the body of Christ. So let's stay focused. We ran over. We won't do a lot closing song. Let's stay focused on what God's called us to do. Don't zip up your Bibles. 
Hang in there. Let's stay focused on what God's called us to do. Have unity in love. Being humble enough to say, I like that idea. Let's do it. Or saying, you know what? Let's pray about that. Something just, I got to check in my spirit about that. I got to check. Let's, let's continue to pray about that. And we've done that for several months on certain things. And the Lord has blessed that by doing that. Nothing wrong with that. Three answers to prayer. Yes, no, wait. Father, we thank you and praise you that you do answer our prayers. It's most, some of the times, it's just we don't want to listen. We don't want to hear the answer because we want to do it our way. So Lord, keep our hearts soft and pliable and that we'd be humble enough to hear your answer instead of trying to get my answer to come through the scriptures or through a counselor or through somebody else. Help us, Lord, to continue to to bring unity to the table as we work with each other and also as we work with unbelievers, not compromising the faith, not compromising doctrine, but speaking the truth in love being willing to love them right where they're at so that they might come to know Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we pray for our president. I firmly believe this is elder abuse. It's sinful. And I pray for his soul. I pray that he would truly receive Jesus as his Savior. And for every, all those politicians that are being manipulated by the evil one right now, Lord, use our brothers and sisters in Christ at the federal level, at the state level, in our town level. Lord, use our brothers and sisters in Christ who, are, who have been called into politics to take their Bibles, to pray, to have Bible studies, to, to be bold enough to say, no, this is not right. Amen. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. But we know ultimately, or we pray ultimately, your will be done. Your will be done. And as we see what that looks like in these coming months and years, we're going to give you the praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If you need Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We'd love to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.